something. It's like a podcast, but it's a vodcast, so you can listen and watch. It's like news talk or sports talk, but it's life talk, so we can walk the road together. On today's show, author and spoken word poet Amina Brown shares insight from her new book, How to Fix a Broken Record, to managing the mis-messaging we often tell ourselves. And so I found the thread in the first few years of my 30s has been these like recurring messages I've been living with a long time. Yeah, and okay. now being at a point of life to say, well, are those messages good? And when they're not good, how long have I been holding on to that? Right. And wow. what's the truth that I should be repeating versus that yes. ugly message mm-hmm. that's been repeating, you know? Thanks for joining the conversation. Here we go. All right, so welcome to Say Something. This is our friend, Amina Brown, who is in town. Amina Brown is a poet, speaker, author, and event host. Named one of Rejuvenate Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 Changemakers, Amina is the author of five spoken word CDs and two nonfiction books. She has performed and spoken at events across the nation, such as Creativity World Forum, If Gathering, and Chick-fil-A LeaderCast, as well as touring with Gungor and Voskamp and the Voices Project, Historically Black College and University Tour. So welcome to Dallas. Thank y'all. And we are so pumped she's here, and I'm just going to quickly tell you how, how she came to us, because she's too <laughs> cool for us. I don't even know why you're with me. But she's very, very cool to my daughter, who is at Baylor, and she was at Chapel, and Amina spoke at Chapel. And it touched the core depth of my daughter's oh my soul gosh. in her first six weeks at Baylor. You know, where you feel completely yes. alone, not sure of yourself and everything. And she walked out and she's still marinating. Wow. So, um, and then she said, you've got to get her on Say Something. And that's where I was like, you know about Say Something? <laughs> and it was like, you, you enjoy yes. something I do? Yes. <laughs> and she's so sweet. She probably yeah. really does. So thank you for being here. Oh, yes. my gosh. I'm yes. so excited and about I've this. And I've been marinating on everything she said yes. seven years seven. ago. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. At the leader cast that was Be the One. Yes. And her beautiful talk there. Oh, and man. then I laughed, and I, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth. We, yes. I was uh, starting to read your book, and you started out with something about India, Irie, and mm-hmm. strength, courage, Ooh, and Yes, wisdom. girl. Uh, and yes. I was like, yes, yes. You brought out something in air. Uh, so yes. This is wonderful. Yes. yes. Sort of. yes. yes. I was like, Amina, oh yes, right. girl. But you're no stranger to Texas, so. Yes. As Aaron pointed out, welcome back to Texas. Yes, yes thank you. I, I'm happy to be back where the tacos are the best, I have to say. <laughs> the tacos are good here. And yeah. I don't know how they don't have those in Atlanta. No, and it's I very think sad. That's very it's very sad. Actually. I mean, it's like there are tacos, but it's very disappointing. The things that they're calling queso are not what you <laughs> yeah, would call queso so here. I've been a couple yeah. of places where they couldn't tell the difference between pico de gallo and salsa, and that's upsetting. Yes. I mean, well, that that's is downright upsetting. upsetting. <laughs> there is a significant difference. Mm-mm. Okay, so why we were especially excited that you've written another book. Yes. And it, I'm just telling you, the title and everything about it is so cool. And you really touch on things that are those deep what's broken. Mm-hmm. And to be able to find freedom in the midst of that is just so it's just exciting and yeah. hopeful and so we'd love for you to share a little bit about that yeah um, how to fix a broken record is a chronicle of the first few years of my 30s bless um, <laughs> <laughs> which you know each phase of life is its own interesting time it's like the, yes. your 20s is its own puberty in a way that's true it's, it's not in the body it's like 
in your mind and your emotions and what you're gonna do with your life. And so I found the thread in the first few years of my 30s has been these like recurring messages I've been living with a long time. Yeah, and okay. now being at a point of life to say, well, are those messages good? And when they're not good, how long have I been holding on to that? Right. And wow. what's the truth that I should be repeating versus that yes. ugly message mm -hmm. that's been repeating, you know? Yeah, it seems like it takes you straight back to junior high, yeah, which totally. I feel like we're all just a flesh wind away from it anyway. Facts. Those are the facts. Yeah. Yes, yes, completely. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of truth, you said uh, one thing in your book that I just loved and something we've all heard a million times, um, the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And you pointed out that means love your neighbor, oh, and by the way, yeah. and love and yourself. Love yourself. That's, yeah. nobody that so ever good. thinks about it that yeah. way. Yeah. Right. It almost becomes a, some indictment, like yes. a rude indictment. Like, how dare you think about yourself? Mm -hmm. But it's not that. It's no. love. Girl, that is so good. Isn't that good? Mm. But it's that fixing the broken record. Mm -hmm. How did you get to this place where you're now writing a book and helping others fix their own broken records? I think this is my second book. And I think with this book, I waited until it seemed like the story was coming okay. versus forcing the story to come. Mm -hmm. And I think there's been a lot of freedom in that for me to be able to write from this place of like, I think I have a thing to say that's going to be really hard for me yeah. to write because it's going to be really vulnerable to say. Mm -hmm. um, I actually was recording the audiobook and I remember sitting there reading the things that I'd written in this book and thinking, man, the engineer, gosh, he's going to have to hear so many personal things about me. And then my mind went, girl, everybody that <laughs> reads this book is about to read <laughs> all these personal things about yeah. you, you know? But there's something about being able to tell a broken part of your own life and even some parts of the book being able to laugh at parts of life too that I think gives us freedom with each other yeah. to be vulnerable too to yes. laugh too yes. you know what when you read it back what was the thing that really hit you <sighs> there's a chapter that I almost I cry almost every time and it's called the ministry of disappointment mm -hmm. and in my life that's just been you know the journey that my husband and I have and have been going through and wanting to have a baby yeah mm -hmm. and just getting to like the age I am and thinking well I thought I would have had kids by now yeah right and now. for various reasons I can't control haven't been able to right and now. that all of us have a something mm -hmm. like yes. that yeah. that we have this prayer out there or this thing in our life that we really wanted that feels delayed or may not ever be answered you know yeah and that was the one chapter that I got to it and I people that will hear the audiobook I def I was teary through that chapter because mm. it's it's one part of the book where like I didn't get this victorious like story to tell in a way you know mm -hmm. how like you know you want to have that testimony like oh, I went through this hard thing but now you know and to like go through that writing that chapter and still to this day be like I don't have the the other side yeah, yeah. I'm still stuck yeah. in it and don't know how long I might be you know yeah right I wonder what what made you because I know you for I've been following you for years and years and and really your thing is the spoken word and I'm just saying girl you do it like nobody does it it's just so cool and we're definitely gonna have to reserve some time for you to speak some okay. some good words before okay. we're through but what made you decide to instead of speaking it put pen to paper and and write the word 
it was really interesting the way book writing came up because originally I wanted to be a novelist. Mm, really? Like when I left Do you college, have a story? I wanted to be, I've written some novels. They're very bad. It turns, <laughs> turns out I'm not good at that. So there's that. But I, I always wanted to write books because I just grew up reading a lot of books. Grew up, you know, with a mom who was just big reader herself yeah. so I just always had a lot of like reverence for the book you mm -hmm. know and then when I got into doing poems and because of the style of poetry that I do mm -hmm. I didn't do books I did recordings and videos for a while and so when the opportunity to write my first book came up it felt like this returning to uh, what this younger self really always wanted, wanted to, do. to do and I really love telling stories and sometimes poetry is not always like the best place for a story to be told sure sometimes it needs more of like a monologue right. style right you know? yeah so uh, book writing has really been lending itself to that for me oh that's terrific oh, yeah. yeah very cool what was that first time like getting on stage and doing spoken words scary <laughs> almost cuz but um <laughs> it was very scary yeah. now my mom yeah, is the reason you? i was i was 17 Oh, wow. And I was raised in a single parent home, my sister and I. And so my mom had a rule that there was no privacy in her house. So she just told me up front, like, if I find your journal, your diary, your notebooks. Really? Um, your notes you write to your friends, I'm reading everything. Just, uh, just assume that if it's out, I've read it. Why? She said because she wanted, she felt like her journey of being a single mom was tough yeah she's just one of the most like yeah. brave courageous women I know and she was like I don't want you to have to do this if you don't have to so she was protecting it yes. was in a protective yes. mode yeah very much so a very loving thing so she found one of my poems and she was like oh my gosh I read this I really love this I think really? your poetry is so beautiful oh she was gosh. like why don't you Mina. share this more with people and I was a very believe it or not very shy withdrawn mamas. Are you shy. are you an introvert? I'm completely an introvert. Well, thanks for sitting with yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, but I love like talking to people. Yeah. It's sort of like I'm an extrovert until I reach my. My limit. daughter is so gonna right. love that because yeah. she's an introvert, yeah. and oh, they yeah. will attest that she's never met a stranger. Yeah, yeah. And you'll need so. to recharge. Yes, so yeah, I will need, need to like go somewhere time. by yeah. myself yeah. and like read a book or like yes. watch Grey's Anatomy or whatever. It's like yeah. typically my situation. Or whatever. It may or may not be on tonight, the season premiere. But whatever. Right. Well, you know, so. <laughs> not, not that Aaron knows. No, not that I was following Viola Davis when she posted about. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't do that but um, yeah so my mom uh, found a poem my last year of high school and she submitted it to a competition what no without telling me true story wow. uh -uh. and if it if it won the competition then I had to go there <gasps> to like this the award ceremony okay were you and, like, freaking out and like read my poem yeah. mm. in front of all these people well like oh, let's say the ceremony thing was on like a Saturday well like my mom tells me on Wednesday oh wow like she hey you, wait, did she know in. that you had won or did yeah. she have to go oh, yeah but she did the whole like she didn't tell me anything until that Wednesday like I submitted it you won you have to go there Saturday wow love and this. like do the thing and my mom's not you the mother. You do love that. Brenda's like, I yeah. Guess. I mean, God bless yes. our mamas. Listen, if it you weren't would for not her, have done all this, no. if it were no. not for, yeah. and, and knowing the timing, when to tell you, all right, by the way. Yeah. And my mom's not the and kind of mom. I think she wear that black dress. Listen, <laughs> you know, she's not the kind of mom that you're going to be like, I'm not going to that. Yeah. You might have felt inside like you weren't going to go, sure but you were get in that. the car when she said, get in the car. You so I went there. Yeah. I was like, I'm kind of scared of her, so I'm going to go in the car. So I went there and read that poem in public the first time and fell in love with it. Ah, 
Uh, had you memorized shout it? Shout out to my mom. I hadn't memorized it okay. yet. I have a poem um, called Roots and Wings where I tell the story of the first time I ever performed my memorized work, which mm. was that same year. Yeah. It was spring break of my senior year. We went to this bookstore in Montgomery and it was called Roots and Wings, which is where the name of the poem came from. And uh, there was a poet there sharing his work with us uh, with our spring break trip. And then um, he said, are there any other poets here? And Seriously? all of my friends were like, her, she is, mm -hmm. she is. Oh my God. Like, Amina, you do, oh, completely, was like, <laughs> That's so cool no, that your friends guys, went no. to the bookstore with you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You and so, a nerd, for I, sure. Oh my, completely a nerd. <laughs> completely and nerds. utterly a nerd. Oh, yes. I think you even self-admit that in the book, too. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I'm just I like, let's I just that. put yeah. it out there. I was never cool or popular. I didn't figure out I was cute until like 10 years ago. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's All good. fine. All good. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is okay. Do you want an iced tea? Does anybody want an iced tea? Um, yes, I would like to have. Right. A, I figured small. you'd like a little chick fil A. Yes. What you want? Let me, let me have a small sweet tea, please. One small sweet tea. <laughs> like yeah. Texas. She's in Texas. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. You don't want anything. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Um, um, water, actually, we grab a small water. And then I will do a medium unsweet tea with two lemons and a splash of sweet tea. Okay, so sweet tea, right? Yeah. This is so fancy. You want to up your game here? You want to add something to your I mean, sweet tea? I don't know. I'm watching the master work right now. <laughs> I'm embarrassing like, to my children. She's adding the splash. Uh -huh. It's gonna be three, four, Sorry. Amina, do you have a a favorite uh, poem that you've written or 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 a work that you've done that yes. just sort of sticks out in your mind as like this? This is the one. Like this is my heart and soul, just out there. Oh my gosh. I mean, a lot of my new work, I think, because it's so fresh, fresh probably sure. like, a, like a Dear TV sitcoms is probably still one of my favorite. That <laughs> Dear TV sitcoms, Dear TV sitcoms, Dear TV sitcoms, I am mad at you. You raised me wrong, restricted me to your 22 minute plots, your seven and a half commercial breaks, your 45 second catchy theme songs. You made being an adult look so easy. Easy like getting dressed for work in the morning and coming right back after the commercial break because it turns out sitcoms don't have time for an eight-hour workday. Easy like working as a journalist and being able to afford to live alone in New York with a closet full of Manolo Blahniks. Right? I mean, so many things that just made me think like, oh, that's how my life, like my adult life. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be just like that. Like, I'm going to be best TV. friends yep. with all my coworkers. No one does that. No. Right. Oh, so that's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, girlfriend's poem, which is just like a poem for my women friends. Yeah. Like, I just, the, the older I get, the more important my female friendships are to me. I wondered, who do you write to when you're sitting down mm -hmm. and writing spoken word or a, a book? Mm -hmm. Who are you writing to? Who's that person that you see? I think when I'm writing spoken word, I'm still thinking about that like coffee house room in Atlanta. I'm thinking about the rooms where I started when I first started performing. Mm. And those rooms are really diverse culturally, yeah, um, generationally. There's people there of all different faiths, all different mm -hmm. backgrounds. So if you can tell a story that really hits the people in that room, mm -hmm. you're hitting such a cross section yeah. of people. Right. So I typically am thinking like, is this poem gonna work in that room? Right. That's what I'm thinking about then. And in the stories I tell, I'm almost thinking, I, I, I feel like I'm thinking a lot about people who would 
be consider themselves like on the fringes of something mm -hmm. like sometimes I think about women who feel like they're not the typical woman in whatever their cultural background is mm -hmm. that maybe they're not crafty enough right or they don't love pink enough so you or... hit the enoughs yes You're nailing yes. the enoughs yes. like I'm thinking about the people that feel like they don't have a place where they fit and wanting to give voice to that yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's good. Which is really what, what the broken record is about. Yeah. Because it's like that you are enough. Yes. And yes. Um, let me tell you why. Because you might, you might have forgotten or lost sight or been duped by some message that just isn't true. Right. Like all we have is to be ourselves. Right. It's so you know? hard like, though. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Do, do you give away the answer? You, how to fix a broken record? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not finished with Hi. it yet. But I mean, <laughs> by the end, are you giving away the secret? I do give it away in the end. And I think a part of it is that we in and of ourselves cannot. Oh, <laughs> amen. Which is yeah. a hard one, right? right. For, I sort mean, at of, least for personality like so me. there's so much freedom in that. Yes. Too. I mean, it's like yes. we don't have to. I think that's yeah. the burden is that I have to. Yes. Well, I there. have to admit, I've yeah. been thinking all day, like, what is my broken record? What is, mm. you know, oh what is that's it? That's a great and, question. And you know, how do I process that? Yeah. What do I do with it? So I'm wondering, when did you figure out? So you give away the answer at the end, which yes. I love, which is the answer. <laughs> it yes. is truth. Yes. And when did you figure it out for yourself and what, what led you there? I think a, a part of why I wanted the book to be in, in the sections it was in is because I think sometimes our broken record is in an area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have like an overarching one, like, you know, I'm not enough could be your broken record, which yeah. influences a lot of things. Yes. Right. But you know, in some of my like romantic relationships, it was, I'm, I'm not lovable, mm. you know? And that was yeah. very particular to like a relational area. And then in my work, that's that, still that feeling of like, I'm not adequate. Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. wanting to explore, sometimes there's a certain area, there might be certain areas in my life where like I have less broken records there. But yeah. other areas where like the broken records are very loud and mm -hmm. being yeah. okay with processing, what is that? Why do I keep doing that? You yeah, because even realizing that there is a broken record, when yeah. it's so loud, I don't mm -hmm. think you understand it. It's like a humming in the background that you don't, that you're so accustomed to. Mm -hmm. You don't even hear it. And it's such a great metaphor because when you think back to the days of records, oh, like and, I can and, still in my mind hear my record just skipping. Yes. Yes. And, and then like, yes. and then it just catches yes. and it's like, oh, come on. And, and you want to just. It's annoying. You know? Well, mine is more like the collection. You know, I've got that mm. whole LP collection, the all the greatest hits. Yeah. You know, and so it's not mine is not a one album kind of thing. Yours is the two. If you open it up and <laughs> there's on, a book, yeah. come on, yeah. come but on. I said, how long was the process in getting to this place? Because I would imagine years of the layers yeah. peeling away totally. for the for the album for yes. the vinyl. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like I knew that I I knew this book was coming maybe like two years ago but I just could not get my hands on exactly what it was supposed to be about. Yeah. And um, if, if you've read the book, um, there's a chapter in there that's a conversation I had with my dad. And mm. that conversation is actually what led me to the title, How to Fix a Broken Record. Really? Um, because we were sitting there having a very, you know, it's a very tough conversation and a lot of hard things that happened in the family. And 
there was something about us talking that day. And I think this moment comes for all of us, you know, with some of the family members that we've grown up with since we were children, our parents, our grandparents, yeah. you know, different people who are would be considered elders in the family, where a point comes where like that relationship evens out now, where now you're both, <gasps> Sorry. you're both adults. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that person. Sometimes this happens with a mentor too. Where like yeah. you see that person now, not on this pedestal you did when you were a child. Right, you see right. them like you see yourself, yeah. like you see your friends. Mm -hmm. And there were some things my dad and I talked about that day that I realized were some wounds I still had mm -hmm. in our relationship. Okay, how did your dad deal with that? Like was that something, did you speak about that with your dad? Or is it something that you just like recognized in the moment? We talked about it a little bit, but I think it ended up being more profound for me after the moment was over. Yeah, so you could think yeah. about it. It was almost like the the sound that really came to my mind was just very old school. But when you used to watch film strips yes. in school, oh, right? Oh yeah, I always wanted to be the kid that put oh it in. You know God. what I mean? Yeah. Did you? Yes. I, I never, it was sort of like bingo. I never won bingo and I never got to be the kid that did oh. that. But yes, yes, I love film strips. And how like if you let it get too far to the yes. end, you hear that yeah. flapping oh, yes. at the mm -hmm. end. And there was something about that conversation with my dad that day that made me realize like, I've been thinking these things about myself based on like some how some things in the family went mm -hmm. that aren't true about yeah. me. And I was just hearing that messaging, that flapping almost, that's that so it was stopping. And that's what made me think, how do you fix that thing that's broken? That's what led me yeah. in a way that film strip sort of made me transition into yeah. thinking about a record and what happens when it's broken and you can't play it right and it does mm -hmm. that skipping. Yeah. And like, just, how do you yeah. fix that in those things? So that was the moment that I knew that's what this book is supposed to be about. Love it. Then Love it. there was just going to be a lot of crying and eating brownies trying to actually write. Well, that's right. so nice. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes. The exactly. stories. I yeah. just like literally had, I just kept a box of tissue right there by my laptop and just, you know, and wrote and cried. Tears and chocolate. It's a good oh, combo. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> that's a great yes. title. Tears yeah, and I chocolate. Work on that. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm work on that. <laughs> to ask you how you came to faith? Mm. Well, this is another mom story, really, um, because I grew up just in a very church-going family. So in a lot of ways, I grew up like around God, mm -hmm. even though I may not have had a relationship with God my, my whole life. And my mom went through a period of time where she went away from God and having a relationship with God. And, and right around the time I was going through that like 12, 13 time, my mom like rededicated her life to Jesus. Mm. And I really watched her change. Mm. I just watched this sense of peace that she wow. had. Mm -hmm. And that made me think, oh, this isn't just like some fictional character that everybody's mm -hmm. like singing to mm -hmm. in church. Like God's a real somebody, yeah. you know? And I was going to children's church at the time, bless, even though I didn't want to. Because, you know, at like 12 years old, you're like, well, I, I am very grown and do and your not need said you're going and these songs <laughs> and this children's stuff we're doing in here. But the woman who led our children's church, she said something that really helped me because I was such a shy kid. Sometimes the invitation to Jesus would be given in church and I would raise my hand but I would be so scared to walk yeah. to the front, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So I sort of assumed like, well, man, if I can't walk to the front, like, 
I'm not, I'm not a Christian, I, you know, whatever that is. And <laughs> yeah. so she told us in children's church and I don't know, obviously God led her to say it, but she said, you know, I just want to tell you guys that you can ask Jesus in your heart anytime. It doesn't have to be here at church. Does it have to be an altar call? Like God's everywhere. You can ask Jesus anytime to be wow. in your heart. And when she said that, I was like, yes. <laughs> I was just like, I'm in. I'm like, I can do that, Jesus. I can be a Christian now. So I had a little sister. We're almost 11 years apart. So she was like two wow. years old. Yeah. And there's two of you. Yes, there's just okay. two of us. Well, I have four siblings. Okay. Um, three on my dad's side and then my one sister okay. on my mom's side. But she was like a toddler on this time. So she was yeah. always in my room. So I went and oh. prayed the prayer to ask Jesus into my heart in my closet oh my because goodness. I knew that my sister would have to get through the one door first yeah. Yeah. and she might come in if I was quiet enough, oh. walk out. So yeah. I, I was in my little closet with my sneakers pressed up against the wall. That's how I asked Jesus to come in my heart. Best wow. decision I ever made. Yeah. That's, That's really neat. Awesome. That's cool. So shout out to mom. Oh, yeah. your mama. She's an amazing. amazing woman. She's amazing. Yes. That really is true. Absolutely. Okay, um, we have to get you yes. uh, saying something. Okay, so, I gotta think I mean, of something yeah, to say. It's like, this I'm, poem is a part of a, a He Said, She Said series that I've been wanting to do. Ooh, I like that. Um, where I've just been over the years taking these notes of like, things that people say and like how can I do the things and write about it. so this is a she said okay so um, so this poem came from a conversation that I had with a friend of mine and uh, she does not consider herself to be a Christian but she asked me you know how how do I know if I'm hearing from God uh -huh. and uh, it's I don't know why but two years later that conversation came back to me in this poem oh. so I tried to answer uh, for her what I would say now, I yeah. guess. Um, I don't know if I did a good job that day and I still wrote this poem and I'm like, I don't know if I did a good job explaining. It's very hard to explain. Have you sent um, it to her? You know what? I haven't. Oh, please do. I should do it. Yes. That's true. Yeah. That's That'd be true. Because so I remember us emailing back and forth a little bit, but for some reason, I think very slow. And so I don't know why all these things like came to my mind later. So um, here's this poem she said, how do you know when you were hearing from God? I don't know why being in the car with y'all reading this makes me feel like I'm going to be teary about it. <sighs> That's what they do to you when you come with right? okay. <laughs> I know. I'm almost teary. It's like Barbara Walters. <laughs> Basically, that's what they do. They bring you in this car and make you cry. Okay. <laughs> she said, how do you know when you're hearing from God? I didn't know how to explain. It is to explain the butter grit of cornbread to a mouth that just discovered it has a tongue. Mm -hmm. The sound of jazz to ears that only ever thought they'd be lobes of flesh, the sight of sunsets to blinded eyes that in an instant can see to fail at the ability to give words to how the sin of baked bread can make the mind recall a memory, every detail of a house, mm -hmm. a room, a kitchen, a conversation, like explaining to a newborn baby, this is what it feels like to be held by words. Never felt so small, so useless, so incapable, I wanted to say. Put your hand in the middle of your chest, feel the rhythm there. I wanted to say you will find the holy text in so many places, yeah. on crinkly pages of scripture, in dusty hymnals, in the creases of a grandmother's smile, the way she clasps her hands, the way she prays familiar with reverence as if to dignitary and friend, the way she sings a simple song from her spirit and porches turn to cathedral. I learned from my great grandmother how to pray how to talk to God, how to listen, 
watching her and the other silver-haired church mothers gather in her living room, worn wrinkled hands on top of leather Bibles well-traveled. They prayed living room prayers because you don't have to be inside the four walls of a church to cry out to the God who made you because no matter where you sing or scream or whisper, God's ears can hear you and despite what the law say or what our human flaws say. God's ears don't play favorites. God's ears don't assess bank accounts or social status before they attune themselves to the story your tears or your fears are telling. God's ears are here for the babies, for the immigrant, for the refugee, for the depressed, for the lonely, for the dreamers, the widow, the orphan, the oppressed, and the helpless, those about to make a mess or caught in the middle of cleaning one up. Dirt don't scare God's ears. God is a gardener. God knows things can't grow without sun and rain and soil I want to tell her. To hear God, you have to be willing to experience what's holy in places that many people don't deem to be sacred. That sometimes God sits next to you on a bar stool, spilling truth to you like too many beers that God knows very well the dance we do when we love ourselves so little that just about anyone will do that God cares about the moments we find ourselves on the edge of a cliff, on the edge of sanity, on the edge of society, even when we have less than an inch left of the thread that's been holding us together, I want to tell her. God is always waiting, lingering after the door is closed and the phone doesn't ring and we are finally alone. God is always saying, I love you. I am here. Don't go. Stay, please. I tried to explain how God is pleading with us to trust, to love, to listen, that God's voice is melody and bass lines and whisper and thunder and grace. Sometimes when I pray, I think of her, how the voice of God was lingering in her very question. How so many of us, just like her, just like you, just like me, are still questioning, still doubting. I know I don't have all the answers. I know I never will. That sometimes the best thing we can do is put our hand in the middle of our chest, feel the rhythm there, turn down the noise in our minds and our lives and whisper, God, whatever you want to say, I'm here. I'm listening. Amen. Oh. Amen is right. Amen. See why I love her so much, right? Cute tears, here they come. You all will love this even more because I got a text from my daughter mm. before coming over here. Oh, mom, I have to tell you the fa my favorite thing that she said. Oh my gosh. And it was that you can see God in your grandmother's wrinkles. Yeah. So there you have it. And I could show you right there if it wasn't filming. And that just gives me chills. Oh my gosh. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, thank oh, you. Good. Thank you. Thank what, you so What much. else is there to say? I mean, a good word for anybody that is watching this, please just go and do the same thing and yeah. say a good word to the person walking next to you because they feel the exact same. And we aren't alone. We're in it together. And I just, I'm, I'm just humbled to that the Lord opened this up to do this. So yes. thank you and thank you. And, um, gosh, until next time. Yeah. All right, girls. Thanks again for joining the conversation. We love hanging out with you guys. Want to stay connected? Like or follow us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on Instagram. See you next time on Say Something.